Waves of sand, dust, and ash blow across the deserted highway. Grass and brush have reclaimed many of the spaces once occupied by asphalt and concrete. Those buildings that remain standing after the explosions wear their facades loosely. Occasionally, the prevailing silence is interrupted as pieces break free from the deteriorating structures and tumble down, adding to the giant piles of debris. The painted walls of our homes, our schools, have been replaced by black char and broken pipes. There are few buildings left, but fewer trees. The same explosions that reduced the buildings to rubble also stripped the land of plants taller than a four-year-old. The sun bears down on us as we gather in the center of town, what's left of us at least. We survived the apocalypse, and now we must figure out how to survive the aftermath. The world as we knew it is gone. It is time for us to rebuild, to dare to dream of a new world, the future. Welcome to another episode of A Podcast Ellipse, a science and engineering podcast where we discuss rebuilding society after a hypothetical apocalypse. Filling in for Paisley Jackson Smith, we're your hosts, Calcedoni Figaro Scott. And I'm Clef Crescendo. And on this show, we like to bring in experts to discuss the various uh, aspects of human civilization after the apocalypse and uh, how to get the human race back on track. And uh, with us today is Dr. Andy Walton. Hi, uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, can you tell the audience what you do for a living? Oh, sure. I'm a wildlife biologist. Oh, fantastic. Uh, how long have you been doing that? Um, I'd say probably close to eight years. So you being a wildlife uh, biologist, I want to make it very clear that the, today's show will be featured on wildlife and animals after the apocalypse. Sounds good. I, I'm wondering where you went to school and what made you want to be a biologist? Oh, sure. So um, I went to Cascade University. Um, I actually went to school there and then I got my PhD there. So now I teach. I'm an associate professor, wildlife biology. I just always really loved animals growing up. Did you have a lot of Great. pets growing up? Yeah, but my parents didn't really want us to have pets. So I kind of had to have unusual pets that I would just kind of find around our house. So like slugs or squirrels, things like that. Do you rescue them? Were you allowed to keep a squirrel inside? Is that a thing? Well, yes and no. Um, initially, they weren't very pleased, my parents, with the squirrel because he would steal stuff at night. Um, as squirrels do, you know, they're hoarders. They sock things away for, for winters. Um, but once they got to know him, they really fell in love with him. And you also mentioned slugs. Like, uh, what type, what are common slug names? Like when you have pet slugs. Like what you would name yeah. a slug? Oh, um, well, uh, there's Slippery Dave and uh, Sticky Susan. Wow. So you had two of them? I had two of them, yes. Okay. Well, I thought some... maybe you just recycle through those names. Like, I imagine their lifespan isn't that great. No, but that's a, that's a great idea. I'll have to keep that in mind next time I pick up some slugs. Do slugs make great guard animals? Um, you know, if you get enough of them and you line them up right outside the doorway, somebody might slip on them and hurt themselves. Kind of home alone it there. <laughs> That's a really good defense strategy. I never would have thought of just lining up slugs. Although I have stepped on a lot of snails before and that it might be a little too oh, soft. Oh, the crunch. The crunch. Might alert you. That could alert you. You could get yeah. some ones with um, psychotropic toxins and put them on the doorknob. So if somebody went to open it, they'd just trip balls instead of robbing you blind and then could you train them to like get off the doorknob when like you the owner uh mm -hmm. approach the door uh you probably could although depending on how well you 
your day wet, you might not want to. Those sound like some great beginnings. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And actually, that kind of leads me into one of my questions about the post-apocalypse is, uh, what do you think the, uh, like the pet situation would be post-apocalypse? Sure. Well, pets would become much more important to our survival. Um, now we kind of domesticate animals for our pleasure or for companionship. Um, but in the event of an apocalypse, if society crumbled, we would depend on animals to alert us to danger, um, to help defend ourselves and our belongings. Um, we'd have to look to them for clues about impending weather or disasters, things of that nature. So what would be the uh, impact to the talking animals that we see in movies? Like, how would those animals get along in the post-apocalypse? Well, I imagine they'd have a lot more to talk about, certainly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. That's true. They would. You talked about domesticated animals. What about animals that we eat? And what do you think the change is going to be for kind of these mass farms where they do, you know, dairy farming or, you know, slaughtering, slaughterhouses? Do you think, how do you think that will change? And will it give us a lot of great new opportunities to change? Certainly. Um, well, diets are going to have to shift towards more of a vegetarian bent, just because, as you mentioned, the whole factory farm system won't really exist. So we won't be producing, say, 50 billion chickens a year for human consumption. Um, so if you have to rely on hunting or trapping, your meat consumption is going to go way down on a regular basis. And you're going to have to either rely on foraging for plant materials or growing plant materials instead of using, um, I, I doubt people are going to have the means of hunting regularly in the event society collapses. Most people, at least certainly people in urban areas probably aren't equipped to go out and hunt every day. So that's going to be a real problem for folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the urban area thing actually reminds me the, uh, what do you think would be the, the, the main contenders that would kind of swarm into the urban areas? Well, so human activity has pushed a lot of animals um, out far, far into the wilderness. Um, occasionally you will see larger predators coming into urban areas like bears, um, wolves, coyotes, that sort of thing. Um, if the whole of civilization collapsed, you would see a lot of those animals return. Um, the nature kind of reclaimed everything. Those become viable habitats for them. Again, so you'd probably see a lot more larger creatures. You'd probably see more wolves, um, more bears, possibly even a Bigfoot. Hmm. A, a, a Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. That, is that technically an animal? Oh, well, it's alive, isn't it? Have you seen one before? You mentioned that you went to Cascade. So there, that's in the forest, right? So there's... Yeah, I've, I've personally met several Bigfoot throughout my time doing surveys up in the mountains. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Like, I actually don't believe it. It's not credible. Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of my word against yours, but I have the doctorate, so I'm, I'm more inclined point. to believe me. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I get that. But so the, these Bigfoot, um, ha, what do they like to be called? Like Sasquatch? Is that a thing? 
Um, I mean, Sasquatch is an older term. Um, I mean, they, they would respond to it, but uh, they might not appreciate it. It's almost derogatory at this point. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's been so uh, misused mm. um, throughout the, the years. How would you think Bigfoot would survive in this new world where their, you know, their habitat, it could go a couple of different ways, say the forests kind of get wiped out and there's not much shelter for them anymore. You're thinking that they're going to just kind of move into the cities. Can you talk a little bit more about how Bigfoot would survive? Um, if the forests remained intact, um, there would be plenty of habitat for Bigfoot to roam around. Um, and actually I should mention that the correct technical term for multiple Bigfoot creatures is big feet. Big feet. Yes. They actually get very upset when you don't use the correct uh, terminology. Wow. Okay. Um, what, what do they do when they're upset? Oh, well, uh, they're apt to bang rocks together. Um, you know, hit things with sticks. Okay. Um, so big feet. All right. Noted. I mean, if we're going to run into these things in the the post-apocalypse do you think that like you know as we leave the urban areas like i pack up my belongings i move out of my house is are, are the big feet gonna like assume my position are you gonna sleep in my bed in well my i very house? much doubt that it could fit in your your bed given its its height um so i mean i don't know if it would want to just sublet from you or whatever it's, it's probably more comfortable out out in the wild are we gonna have to end up competing with these big feet well they're very solitary creatures they they mostly mind their their own business so it's very unlikely i mean imagine coming across a bear or something right now usually they don't attack humans so if they're solitary we don't have to worry so much about getting big feet and big foot wrong right because we'll probably run into one of them well i mean if you do ever run into one of them um you don't have to worry um I guess the only time you'd run into more of one would be during um, mating season or, or, or when they birth their their children. So I do have a question. You yes. brought up mating season, and I know about horses and donkeys. Is there like a mule-type hybrid between like Bigfoot and humans? Uh, well, it's never been attempted, but uh, you know, during the apocalypse, people might get pretty desperate. So back to the mules. Um, how do the Bigfoot females of their species look exactly like the males so how with boobs of course let's let's say that i were to meet one um and just just spitballing here like how would i determine whether this is like like uh, like a potential like should should i just like nod my head and go like you're just a guy or like maybe i'm single in the post-apocalypse and then the bigfoot female comes along like well, I, I really, I don't think you have much to worry about because I don't think a Bigfoot female would find you very attractive. Do you think there's an opportunity for us to become Bigfoot eventually? Feet, I'm sorry, big feet eventually? You mean like evolve into a, a, a Bigfoot-like yeah. creature? Is that, you know, like a reverse evolution, I suppose? Because if our society was collapsed... Well, so evolution depends on environmental pressures. And if there wasn't some sort of pressure driving evolution towards that, and it wouldn't happen. But I would say it's very unlikely to happen anyway, because Bigfoot didn't evolve on this planet. So 
Oh, Bigfoot didn't evolve on the planet. Is that something? Are you indicating that maybe they have told you or how would you know if they're alien or not? Do you know that they're alien? Oh, oh yes, I, I do know that actually. Um, I, I've met the aliens that brought Bigfoot here. Wow. Okay. So four, four and a half years ago, I was doing a survey way, way up in the uh, Wallawa Mountains. And in the middle of the night, I was awoken by a very bright light. Um, and I left my tent and I saw this strange craft hovering there. And the next thing I knew, I was inside of it talking to these short little beings. Wow. And there was a Bigfoot. And I kind of asked, I was like, whoa, this is kind of strange that Bigfoot's here. And they were like, well, we bring them here to, to graze. Their basically. English was that good? Well, it was all telepathic oh, okay. at that point. Yeah. Um, but so where, where they're from, they don't have the necessary um, ecology to support um, big feet anymore. So they, they brought them here. We're, we're kind of like a, a pasture almost for, <laughs> for, for big feet. <laughs> this is off topic, but I, I'm, I've always been curious about this. Like, when they speak uh, telepathically to you, is there accents involved with that? Like, or how does that happen? Um, no, not so much an accent, but since they're tiny, they kind of sound like their voices are on helium. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So describe the aliens to us. You said they're tiny? Yeah, they're your typical gray alien. So, you know, three feet tall, big Wait, heads. typical? So you've like seen other ones? Well, I mean, insofar as we are familiar with aliens in pop culture or X-Files, an X-Files alien. I, I don't, I've never, is that a TV show? The X-Files? That's a TV show. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Okay. But you referenced pop culture in general. So I guess maybe you've just seen this at museums or something or, you know, at pop culture museum. How Or, or books or, you know. Oh. Things. Pictures and books, comic books. Yeah, that that's a good reference point there. So, what year was that that you had your first alien encounter? Well, let's see. Uh, I guess that would have been sometime around 2014. Not very and long. That's the only alien encounter I've ever had, by the way. So, it's just just the one time. Now, I'm I'm really curious about a couple things now because I I learned today that. Bigfoot is a thing, and I learned today that mm -hmm. the aliens are confirmed. Mm -hmm. Do you think like unicorns would exist in the post-apocalypse? Well, are we so we're defining unicorn as a horse with a horn on its yeah? Head? Like, I mean, do they exist now? You're the biologist. That's true. You know, I've never seen a unicorn, but as a scientist, I have to admit that just because I haven't seen something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Hmm. Unicorns can be possible and uh get back to the apocalypse um i know like one of my first questions is about pet ownership mm -hmm. um so uh you'd be saying like animal adoption would still be a thing right as in like people who give away animals to be adopted or yeah something like that um well animals would become even more of a resource than they are now so i imagine people would tend to hold on to them instead of get rid of them okay and then do you think that means like people would still put their kids up for adoption oh that would also be another important resource you know back uh, before industrialization when people had 10 kids to work on the farm that's that's going to be 
kind of important for survival, I would imagine. So every little boy and girl would know their mommy and daddy. I would hope so. That's great. So that's a really interesting theory about adoption and children and kind of us going back to that value, the family values that you're talking about. So do you feel like children are going to come into our lives as a commodity, more like livestock? No, I mean, you're not going to be tying a plow to little Johnny and sending him out in the field like that. But um, you would want somebody to help you contribute to survival, certainly. And in that way, I think children would be much too valuable to to trade or sell or anything like that. So you're not worried about slavery? No. Okay, that's a good thing. Not I... not unless, you know, the, the big feet come down and decide to uh, take over. Is there any indication that they could prevent or provoke an apocalypse? Hmm. Well, they do have opposable thumbs. So uh, imagine all the mischief they could uh, get up into. They can hail taxis. They could hail a, a taxi, although I think really they'd be more of an Uber user um, than taxis. Do they use smartphones? Well, they could. They have the thumbs for it. I mean, I'm just wondering why they would be more of an Uber user than a taxi. Hailer. Oh, well, they hate the color yellow. Oh, all right. That, well, it's not a natural color out in the forest, yellow. So what about they're bees? kind of averse to it. Or well, flowers. Dandelions? They Do they stomp on dandelions? You know, it's very rare to find a dandelion growing on the side of a mountaintop. So I, I don't know if they would have to worry about that. So mm-hmm. if it's on the side of a mountaintop that they're normally from, and it snows, and hikers go up there and pee on the snow, does that just, just throw them? Oh, it sets them off, yeah. Hmm. And then also in the fall, when the leaves start changing colors, I mean, I guess if they're only in an evergreen forest, yeah. then, okay. And to, to be clear, I'm not sure if the snow would upset them because it's yellow or because somebody walked into their home and just peed on the floor. That but, would really upset me. If that uh, yeah, happened to me. I, I imagine it would. Yeah, it sounds like a really upsetting situation and you said that generally though they just kind of get upset but they're they're not really violent is that what i understood correctly there has been no case of a bigfoot harming a human um that it's come across um if anything i would say that humans would be more apt to attack the bigfoot than if, if humans attack the bigfoot mm-hmm. would their alien um, counterparts try to rush to their aid? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know um, for sure what the aliens would do because I only met them that one time and the conversation wasn't that long. But I would imagine that if the big feet are valuable enough to bring to another planet to essentially raise, um, they must value them to the point where they would defend them. And that could cause an apocalypse. Yes, I'd have to assume that any civilization advanced enough to travel from another star system here would be able to wipe us out. No questions. So we better be nice to the Bigfoot if we meet a Bigfoot. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think it's just nice to be, uh, it's good to be nice to any animal you meet. 
this one's more like a whimsical question, but uh, mm, I love those. Yeah, um, if you could be any animal in the post-apocalypse, what would you be? Ooh, that is an excellent question. So, when picking an animal for the post-apocalyptic world, you'd want something that would give you the greatest utility. I guess I would have to answer something that could hibernate. So like a bear, because then you could sleep through most of the uh, post-apocalyptic frenzy and kind of wait until things cooled down a little bit. So I would want to be a slug. Would you keep me as a pet? I think I think you'd make good good pet material. Yes. What would you name me? What would I name you, Gordon? G- Gordon. I, yeah. I, all right. I'm I'm into this. You look like a Gordon to me. Thank you. Um, I I like to think I look like a Clef. <laughs> well, how about me? What kind of pet? What? Would you name me? Could I be a slug or maybe a squirrel? That would be fun. Chipmunk. A chipmunk. So Alvin? Well, are you a boy chipmunk in this uh, scenario? I don't know if I'm really tied to any gender binary. So you want a gender neutral chipmunk name? Um, Okay. Uh, Well, how about hmm, a gender neutral chipmunk name? Pouches. Excellent. Because of your big, big cheeks, your big chipmunk cheeks. That's that's pretty excellent. I can go to into the future knowing that I could possibly be a chipmunk named Pouches. So then the apocalypse has happened, and <laughs> you've you're now accompanied with Pouches and Gordon. Yep, my faithful slug and uh, chipmunk. Where would you go first? Oh, well, let's see. Um, the most important thing would be finding a good source of water. So Gordon likes that. I would. Uh, Gordon would like that. He wouldn't want to become dehydrated. Yeah, no. I, I, I would probably want to find like a nice gross pile of leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm curious about what you might do to reestablish any kind of zoos as a biologist and somebody that's interested in studying are you more interested in studying out in the wild or are zoos something that you you know cherish for the opportunities they provide humans to study would you be interested in reestablishing that infrastructure of zoos and protecting those animals that might be really vulnerable um, you raise a good point. So in general, I would say I would not try and make zoos a thing again after the apocalypse. I think it's better for animals to live in the wild where they should be. That being said, um, injured animals certainly get sent to a lot of zoos. And I think it would be good if there's a place where we could take care of those types of animals oh that's great i once found a crow and got it rehabilitated that was such a good story what was its name fred fred i like that and now a word from our sponsor And now I return you to our program. So our producer just gave us a sign that we're halfway through our show, which means it's time to take some calls. You ready for this, Andy? Oh, bring it on. How about you, Calcedoni? Thank you, Dr. Walton. Yes, thank you. I'm ready. 
All right, go ahead and bring in the first one. Hi, I have three cats. Mr. Winkles? Say hello to the good people, Mr. Winkles. Good boy. And Princess Featherbottom? Who is a beautiful princess? Yes, you are. And Gary. Where are you, Gare Gare? Oh, there you are. I I was wondering, which one do you think is best suited for life after the apocalypse? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh my. Gary, put down Mr. Winkles. Oh, wow, yeah. It sounds like you have a lot on your hands there. Um, I'll take my answer off the air. Good luck. Good luck. We didn't catch his name. I'd put my money on Gary. He's got a fighting spirit there. What do you think about Featherbottom, though? Well, you know, um, I guess you would want some sort of sympathy or empathy. I feel like if this was like a horse track, you know, like Feather, like Gary would be the one that's like one to four or whatever. But Featherbottom would probably be like one to 32. Like, you know. Probably. I mean, Gary seems like he's got that killer instinct and you might want him to bring home game to you. You might. You could eat. Like connect four. That's true. Featherbottom might be a little too uh, of much of an indoor cat to really, really do that. Could know. you consider it a backup Stop. snack? The cat a backup snack? I mean, you'd probably actually be more likely to be the backup snack for the cat. So you know, if you couldn't cut it and you died, your animals would eat you, no questions asked. Featherbottom would probably go for soft organs like the eyes and lips first. That's, yeah, cats would definitely, I mean, sometimes they just look at you like they're going to eat you. I'm sure he has that problem all the time. Sounds like he had that problem. Right. Mm, I yeah. hope he's okay. All right. So next caller. So after the apocalypse, if I like, you know, went to a place there was where there was a lot of radiation and there was like radiated animals, um, if one of those animals bit me, would I get like superpowers, like, like a super badger or something? Or would I just get cancer? Oh, well, you know, that's a good question. If you're in an irradiated area, you're probably going to get cancer regardless if you get bit or not. Um, But I have an idea. Um, I want you to get a plane ticket and go to Chernobyl. Um, There's a lot of wildlife, including wolves, that are back there. Chernobyl has an airport? Well, I mean, you'd have to drive there from the airport. Um, And... uh, once you get there, just fill your pants with bacon. Something will come along, bite you, and then call us back and tell us what happened. All right, next caller. Hello, and God bless you all. Uh, my question is regarding the hypothetical apocalypse. Um, hypothetically, which of man's gravest sins do you think God would be punishing us for if this apocalypse were to hypothetically occur? Uh, I, if I have time, I do have a, a partial list that I've made of potential reasons for God to do this to us. Uh, here goes. So, number one, the existence of electric cars. Because God obviously gave us plenty of dinosaurs, and then he took them away. So, centuries later, just a few centuries, we would have plenty of oil for our SUVs. Um, number two on the list is the cancellation of the TV show Firefly. I don't think uh, that needs any further explanation. Um, And number three, the existence of everything bagels. Clearly, everything is not on the bagel. And I've started a letter-writing campaign 
to the Supreme Court regarding this, but we can discuss that on a, a different episode. Um, so thank you very much. Okay, that's Which great. Which of those so three greatest sins I think, or another great I think sin we got what you're going for. Uh, well, uh, so I guess to start off with, I guess I'd have to say since there is no God, um, I, I think if I were God, hypothetically, I, I would be most upset with how humans have abused the environment and the other life we share the planet with, hypothetically. Not that we hypothetically share it, just hypothetically that we would be angry about sharing it. Amen. Do you think, do you think God prefers big feet over us? Uh, well, um, if I put myself into the mind of God, since I wouldn't exist, I wouldn't have an answer. All right, that's great. So next caller. Do you think that like after the apocalypse that there will be shoes or will we like have to tie dead animals to our feet? That question what? is so metal. So what do you think about that, Andy? <laughs> I guess I would have to say you'd probably get used to walking around barefoot. Honestly, it'd be too hard to find replacement animals to make shoes out of all the time. So you just walk around barefoot and your calluses, soles would get thicker and you'd just get used to it. And also we could make shoes out of trash. No, true. There's plenty of plastic and yeah. rubber and all sorts of stuff. Well, let's let's give Tommy a chance here. Let's say I grabbed like a squirrel. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed another squirrel mm -hmm. and I fashioned it together mm -hmm. to, you know, stay under the soles of my feet. Mm -hmm. What do you think the life of those shoes would be? I don't know. You think you could find a squirrel uh, big enough to cover those snowshoe uh, pals you got in your socks there? All right, fine. Skunk or badger. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if you want to put a skunk on your foot, I guess you don't have to worry about uh, other humans interacting with you after the apocalypse. That's a, that's a side effect I'm I'm willing to take. Okay. Well, so then. how long how long would those shoes last me? Uh, well, since skunk shoes have never been attempted, I just have to take a wild guess and assume that once it started decomposing, you, maybe two three weeks tops. Do you think bones would give good arch support? Mm, no. Hmm. And I'm sorry, Clef, if we still have the studio, you're not allowed to wear those in here. All right. Well, I'll talk to my, my folks at Nike and we'll see what we can do about this. All right. Do we have another caller on the line? Producers give me that signal that no, we do not have any more calls on the line. What was your favorite question out of that mix there, Andy? I think Gary really uh, stole the show there. Gary the cat. Gary the cat. Fluffy bottom. How about you, uh... Calcedoni, what was your... I'm really intrigued by the shoe thing. I think that making shoes is going to be really important. We'll want, you know, we have a lot of really interesting climates and terrain on the planet, and we could potentially have, you know, just a lot of rubble and different things. So although I appreciate that our feet could get tougher over time, at first we're really going to have a hard time. So we're going to need to know how to make shoes. Yeah, the shoes thing really got me too. Um, I think that in the post-apocalypse, I'll probably open up a shoe store and I'll call it like Souls of Animals, but it'll be like S-O-L-E-S -E of animals. And mm. I'll just, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm bound to find dead animals around and they'd be great for shoes. I'd hate to see them just go to waste. That's probable that there would be lots of dead animals around. I'm curious though to know why you think you'd still be around. Well, I mean... <laughs> 
I'm the host of the show or a host of the show, a, a guest host, substitute host. Cause normally, normally Paisley is in here, but I know you mentioned that you don't really watch TV, but, um, do you watch movies? Very rarely. So these aliens that we're talking about, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm kind of aligning my belief system to reality. Um, so I'm going to list off a couple pop culture things. And I want you to tell me which like thing kind of seems closest to it. Like, sure. Like cocoon. Never seen it. Independence day. Never seen it. <laughs> Encounters of the fourth kind. Never seen it. ET. Never seen it. How about Alf? Oh yeah, definitely. Are they like a lot like Alf? Yes. They, they're hairy. They are hairy. Um, that makes sense with the Bigfoot, I guess. They also love to eat cats. I thought when we were talking about their diets, you mentioned that they were really into plants and stuff. Well, are we talking about the aliens or the big feet? Oh, wait. I got that mixed up in my head. So yeah, the aliens, aliens yeah. eat cats? Oh, we, oh, yeah, of course. So do do they treat cats like currency? Oh, I, do, do we treat Big Macs like currency? I, I mean, I'm sure... Sure, in a post-apocalypse, we would. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, if you had one Big Mac, I would probably do a lot of things for that Big Mac. Like, uh... I like don't know. What? Can we talk about that kind of stuff on the show? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to talk about these things on the show, but if you're going to make me, I'd probably... I'd, I'd do things like I'd build someone's house, I'd massage someone's foot, I would nibble on toes. I mean, this thing, a Big Mac means a lot in the post-apocalypse so anyway so they're like alf yeah i mean that's the closest thing i'm assuming since that's the only thing i recognized Mm -hmm. uh do they probe you the aliens yes no i voluntarily told them everything they wanted to know gotcha do they put like a like a gps like an intergalactic gps unit on you or anything nah they already know we're here yeah well, I thought maybe they'd want to come visit you again. No, oh, was it just a total coincidence that mm-hmm. they, they found me? Would Sticks, their song, Sail Away, would that be a pretty accurate description of what happened to you? Uh, no, because I was <laughs> not on a boat. Um, I was in the mountains. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. What 80s band do you think best encapsulates the personality of the aliens? Oh, of the aliens? Yeah. Um... Probably Scorpions, uh, rock, rock You Like a Hurricane. I think that would be their anthem. Yeah? Yeah. Is Were, were they kind of a rowdy bunch when you got onto their, their spaceship? Yes, there was lots of hairspray um, going around there. Bumps of cocaine in the alien bathroom all over the place. This really? sounds a lot wow. like Elf, yeah. Did they get... Um... Do they get cocaine from Earth, or are there other planets that also have? Oh, there's like a whole cocaine problems? planet. That's all they do there. Wow. And just to be clear, um, so when you say scorpions, um, yes, you, are we talking like the entire scorpion thing? So that they have this like really tough, rocky, like a hurricane edge, but then they still kind of have this like a bit of a the glam metal type. Yeah, thing. glam metal, like still loving you. Yeah, it's more, it's well since they're so advanced with their technology, it's more often industrial 80s rock sort of a thing so yeah, yeah very futuristic too but still so it's like so if nine much inch hair. nails were like the the 80s eh, eh. i'm gonna stick with my original yeah i can see that answer i can't 
deny that I'm kind of sad that they're not enlightened. Well, I mean, I define enlightenment. That I, if they yeah, have planets of cocaine, I imagine they've hit levels beyond their current consciousness. Yes, their party technology is light years beyond ours. Did they show you any of their party technology? You know, I, they were on their way somewhere. And they had already RSVP'd, not bringing a plus one. Did so they pregame? I, I couldn't go. Um, so they dropped me back <laughs> off. Well, how about the Bigfoot? Were they partying with everybody else? The Big the Feet? Aliens? Oh, yes, the Big Feet. No, they, they do not like to party. Um, no. Why? Well, because they're so solitary. Because they, they enjoy their solitude. So they're kind of introverts. Yeah, they, they're very introspective. Hmm, well that's... That's kind of... I mean, now I'm disappointed that the Big Feet don't party. Hmm. So how come the big feet are like the treasured animal? Like, so the solitary things. I mean, I know you don't, you probably don't know this answer because you're not the aliens. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Okay. Um, and like, so the, the aliens are like these like party people. They got like this like sophisticated party technology and planets of cocaine. Um, how come like, like big feet are their like cherished ones that they had to drop off somewhere? Or were they oh, like the wet blankets and they had to get they're... them off the ship? They're the ones that are enlightened, probably. That's probably it, yeah. yeah. It's Yeah, it's more like they feel bad for the big feet. Um, like they're, you know, putting them out with all the noise and music and uh, drug-fueled rages all the time. So We all have those friends. Yeah, so they moved them to a, a quieter place. Uh, well, at least it was quieter when they moved them uh, hmm. to, to Earth. So is that where cocaine came from? Was those aliens? From outer space? Yeah. That's possible. You'd have to get a botanist on the show, but uh, who knows? So, so they looked. They looked a lot like Alf, right? Well, I mean, that's the closest approximation, I guess. I could, I could give you. I mean, I guess I. Do they have Alf's attitude too? Uh, they were a little snarky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, what was the first thing they said to you when you walked on that ship? The first thing they said to me when I walked on the ship? Yeah. Oh, nice glasses, four eyes. Yeah. And they said that through your head? Yes. And it was like a helium-type voice, right? Yes. Can you you say it like, nice glasses, four eyes? Yeah, okay. I'm really starting to get into it now. Um, And then, did they offer you anything? Are you insinuating they offered me cocaine? I just... I'm asking. I'm not going to answer that question in case there are any law enforcement officials listening to well, this. Hey, producer, can can we mute the mics, and uh, then we'll ask him off air. All right, he gave me a thumbs up. See, now we're muted. So we're muted. We're off. Yeah, off we're, we're told no one can hear us right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can trust our producer. So, uh, no, they they didn't give me any cocaine, but they they did give me tons of heroin. <laughs> Wow, it's pretty strong stuff because it's still making you giggle about it, huh? That's a that's yeah. You know, that's one of the primary side effects of heroin is uncontrolled giggling. Yeah. What was their ship like? I mean, filled with helium. The ship was filled with helium. So that's why they sounded like they were (laughs) huffing helium. So then, so then, when you were talking to them, you also had weird sounds too, right? Well, since this was all in my head, my voice. I didn't imagine my own voice being high on helium. I guess it's a good point. So then, so we're still off air at the moment. There, you know, our audience is hearing commercials and stuff. So, like, 
they give you some smack. Yep. And you just you just took that and you're like, all right, let's do this thing. Well, I yes. Um, I at that point I was pretty excited because um, not only were aliens real, which is awesome, but um, apparently they love to party. So that was pretty cool. But then I was very disappointed that they couldn't take me with them to the party they were headed toward. Yeah. Did they like? Do they at least uh, give you like a parting gift or anything? No, they pantsed me and kicked me right out of the ship. <laughs> wow. This wow. Party poopers. All right, so we can we can turn up the the mics again. Yep, there we go. All right, yeah, now we're, we're back live. We're back live, and I'm curious: did they have any animals other than the big feet um, on the ship? Uh, no, not that I saw, but I, you know, wasn't everywhere on the ship. Okay, was the ship alive also? Because sometimes they're alive, you know, and they. Not that I know of. They didn't really let me go around lots of places on the ship. Um, most of the doors had either socks or neckties around the handle, so I wasn't allowed to go in them. Wow, this is a party ship. Definitely. Wow. So when you got kicked off, did you get kicked off like with the big feet that they were dropping off and they just drop you all off together with the big feet and you got to hang out with big feet for a while? Yes, they did drop us off, although I was so high from all the smack that I didn't really have a good chance to interact with the Bigfoot. I just kind of crashed in my tent. So do the do the big feet speak telepathically as well? Uh, if they do, they didn't speak it to me, although you would think they'd speak with each other. They'd have to communicate somehow, and mm. if they can't do it vocally, um, they probably have some sort of telepathy. Do they, like, maybe they emit, like, pheromones and stuff? Uh, that's possible, too. Most animals do have some sort of chemical signaling. For... So, like, hypothetically, if we're, the apocalypse has happened, mm-hmm. we're at war now with the Sask, the Big Feet. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I almost just, re- I was really getting that into the mode. One. So, I was already picturing them with the enemies. I was thinking Sasquatch, so, sorry, Big Feet listeners. Um, um. So we're getting in this mode here. Like, would an effective, like, strategy to like disrupt their communications? Could that be like putting speed stick on them or something? Um, how would you get close enough to apply it? Well, I maybe we have a catapult, a speed stick catapult. We just like undo and take all the crap out of the speed sticks and just like congeal it on a ball. Hmm. Just like speed stick muskets and speed stick catapults, and you know. I suppose that could work. Speed stick tipped arrows. Yeah. Although, you know, thanks to evolution, eventually they would probably just find another way to communicate. So don't fight them in the rain, I guess, would be the other well, I mean, they're, strategy. They're intelligent creatures. So, I mean, they, they would probably figure something else out. Mm-hmm. It smells too good. What's this stuff coming at me? Yeah. yeah. How much do you think one can bench press? A Bigfoot? Yeah. Wow, Calcedony, really? Um, well, uh, just based off of their size, their height and body mass, I'd have to say probably somewhere around 600, 700 pounds. That's a lot. That's pretty excellent. I mean, I'm just curious because, you know, if we could get them on our side, then there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. In case we go into a war with, you know, sharks that grow legs after the 
you know, that leads me into my other question, actually, is what kind of radiation mutations do you think are possible in our wildlife after that apocalypse? Well, um, most animals would probably just die from the radiation, certainly in like the immediate um, area of whatever explosion or meltdown or whatever there was. On the periphery, where the radiation started to fade, you might get some deformities, um, but those deformities wouldn't necessarily be passed on genetically. Um, if anything, evolution would probably select animals that were more resistant to radiation. So, like, Chalcedony scenario, sharks with legs probably wouldn't be something we have to worry about? No, because even if they could walk out of the water, they couldn't breathe, so... So they would just fall over and die. That would, would be just, a really bad plan. They would just walk 30, 40 feet and suffocate. I kind of like the Couldn't image, though, if like, they got legs, but then they could also breathe out here. But they would have to like continue moving like they have to in the water. Like So they like first hit land, and then they just run around like wild and never stop. That would be terrifying. What if, like, what if they ended up in like Kansas or something? And then, like, a tornado came around. And then, like, with this, could they, like, I mean, we're already taking a leap here saying that they have legs and they can breathe on land. Um, could we have, like, uh, sharks with legs harnessing the powers of tornadoes? Um, well, considering we can't harness the power of tornadoes. But we're not sharks. That's true. Um, and you did say, as a scientist just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not possible that is also true thank you for uh reminding me about that um i'm gonna go ahead and say yes given enough times um hyper intelligent sharks could figure out how to harness the power of tornadoes mm -hmm. i this may have been apparent when we talked about the cats and the bedding thing on the horse track stuff um i want to make sure some of my hobbies are still around in the uh in the post-apocalyptic world. So how would the apocalypse like impact cockfighting? Um, why, why would you want to do that to a, such a valuable resource? Well, you could eat the loser. I mean, maybe that would be it. Like it's the hunger games. I'm hungry. You two cocks better fight. And I'm going to eat the, the cock that loses. <laughs> I think you answered your own question. Um, <laughs> I I really I don't think you could survive very well on an all cock diet. Um, you know, like rabbit starvation. It would be similar, similar to that. Well, I'd supplement my cock diet with like greens and stuff as well, like berries. Probably two berries. <laughs> So are you saying that no, they would interesting fight? you chose berries and not nuts. <laughs> Do you think they would fight harder just because they, they would know that? Yes, the cocks would be a lot harder. <laughs> Definitely. No, do you think they would fight harder because they would know if you were going to eat one or the other that was the loser? Would they, would they be able to know that? Could they pick up on that, would you imagine, with any kind of mutation? Oh, well, if they were mutated... Maybe, probably. Um, 
If they weren't, then no. Okay. And then obviously, like, a, <laughs> a limp cock would probably just lay down and die. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say it would shrink away from a challenge. <laughs> so I'm glad that we got my, uh, my hobby out of the way. So, um... Do do aliens uh, value the? Uh, they're party people. Yeah, party things. Oh, do yeah. they value cockfighting? Um, you know, I don't know if they have it on their planet. I thought you just said we got that out of the way. Well, I just want to know if I had anything in common with the aliens. Oh, okay, great. Well, if you love cocaine, you do. Well, they can always pick up new hobbies. Or perhaps aliens don't have cocks. That's true. Did did you? Do aliens have <laughs> cocks or hens? Um, <laughs> I guess the best way to answer that question um, would be by telling you that while I was going through the ship, um, I did notice they had some sort of arena that looked like it was for some sort of show or entertainment or whatever, and they could, I guess, fight cocks in there. But I, I'm not sure what it was for. Do you think they would call them something like Battle Cocks? That's actually a really catchy name. Um, I like that. Yeah. And it, since it's space, it could be like Battle Cocks Galactica. Yeah. Yeah, space cocks. Yep. They might just have gladiating. Gladiating. I don't think that's... I can't verb that. They might have gladiator tournaments with big feet, possibly. I got the sense that they respected the big feet. Um, I don't think they would would do that. Plus, the aliens were so small. I think a, a Bigfoot could easily overwhelm one. I mean, they would fight each other. The big feet would fight against each other. Mm, I think you'd have a hard time convincing a, a Bigfoot to harm another Bigfoot. That's a really nice thing. What if one Bigfoot called the other Bigfoot a Sasquatch? Well, they can use that word. Okay. That's their term. Oh, we have some similarities in our in our language then. From their planet that they came from to our planet. Or their culture. It's a cultural similarity. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do Bigfoots have like a <clears throat> like schools in that? Oh, damn it! Do Bigfeet again? I apologize to all the the Bigfeet listeners out there. Do they have like schools and stuff? Well, they're not a civilization so much because, like I said, they're so solitary. Um, so I I don't imagine that they would. How many coats do you think a single Bigfoot would make? Uh, four. Hmm. And were we talking, like, would this be... Full like, length. Um, yeah. That's a gigantic creature. Full length for, like, um, you know, my size, cleft size. Mm-hmm. Who, like, somebody uh, Just tall. an average human. Just an average human. Yeah. Okay. I'm very petite, so probably five or six coats for me. It, maybe. Yeah. I mean, do you think I'm pretty petite? Um, like, how many, how many coats do you think could fit on this? Um, well, uh, maybe three. Three? 
Do they wear coats? The big. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't want to um, interrupt no, your fine. argument or anything. But <laughs> but how many? Um, what kind of coats do they wear? Do they wear coats? No, their fur is thick enough. It it protects them. They don't wear like a little leaf patch. Or no, they have no modesty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not done talking to you. Do they wear hats? Do they wear hats? Um, not naturally, but I imagine if you gave them one, they might be interested in it. Because for a moment, I thought you meant like not naturally, like unnaturally they wear hats. Like it just something falls on their head and they just don't take it off. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> They're I just see walking through the forest with like leaves and stuff, like a little a bird's bird nest, nest on yeah. their head. <laughs> yeah. That would be such a good um, image. Well, okay, they wouldn't wear hats in their normal day-to-day life, but if you gave them a hat, they might be curious about it. What about, what about a scarf? What about a scarf? Um, they might use it as a tool more than a article of clothing, but maybe like if they saw lasso? you wear one, they might try and emulate you. What? Strangulate me? Emulate you. Oh, like, oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that would be cute. So so I what is the day-to-day of a, of a Bigfoot? Um, well, so from what I've observed, um, most big feet um are nocturnal that's why you don't run into a lot of them so you've Um, probably had some difficulty observing these things if they're nocturnal yeah you can kind of catch them around dusk sometimes if you're lucky Mm -hmm. um once the sun does go down and they're able to kind of move around a little more freely um they basically spend most of their time foraging um and then they go back to their their lair so let me just get this straight they're nocturnal Mm-hmm. But they don't do cocaine? That's correct. Are they nocturnal because they're like they're more like cats than dogs? I guess I would always think they would be more like a bear, which is a daytime animal. But I think the nocturnal thing is more of a choice on their part. Like, um, in order to keep them hidden from humans that might come across them. So do I know we talked about their communication a little bit before. Do they make grunts or anything like little groans or grunts or growls? I've never seen more than one at a time. Um, Have you ever heard one grunt or growl? Oh, except for that time. Then you were all messed up after the alien. One. Yeah. And I was so too messed up to really interact with it or remember what happened. But um, on the other occasions I've come across one, they've kind of given me a little grunt just to let me know that they know I'm there. So <clears throat> when they gave that grunt, would you consider that like a, a nocturnal like emission of like a speech or were they trying to communicate you or did it catch you as a surprise? Uh, it did catch me as a surprise. Yes. Um, the... So you're the scientist. What would you call that? Would nocturnal emission be the right, the right term? I mean, linguistically that is an accurate description of what happens. Yeah. There's a sound emitted, and it is at night. Yeah. I'm a scientist now. Well, it's time to wrap up our show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of A Podcast Ellipse. This is Calcedony Figaro Scott signing off. And this is Clef Crescendo, and I'd like to once again thank Dr. Andy Walton for joining us today. Thank you so much. My thank pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Walton. Of course. Hey listeners, 
This is a Podcast Lips producer, J. Allen Bell. Let's talk news. You're probably like me and just sick and tired of real news. Real news is such a bummer these days. Am I right? Who has time for that shit? Not me, and probably not you. But you know something I do have time for? Fake news. When I want to read a news story about scientists discovering the first dick pic, or McDonald's buying Catholicism, I head over to thescoopnews.com. The Scoop News is a satirical online news magazine that has been producing the best, most fakest news for 20 years. So listeners, what do you say we ditch those real news jerks and head over to The Scoop News for the best news? That's thescoopnews.com.